Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Check one, check two. Oh, wait, you're listening. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. <coughs> you're listening to Radio Lab. Radio Lab. From WNYC. See? Yep. <laughs> I'm Jad Abumran. I'm Robert Krulwich. Today on Radio Lab, music. No, no, not that kind of music. <laughs> Today we're talking about music that knocks down walls. Music that pushes you to your absolute psychological limit. And music that could save your life. First story comes from our executive producer Ellen Horn. So everybody's gonna. Okay, set the scene for me. Where are we? This is a CPR class. It's a Sunday afternoon. Okay. Everybody ready? There's about 25 students here. And everyone's sort of basically pressing on dummies. Is that what's happening? Yeah, they press in the middle of the chest 30 times. And then they tip the mannequin's head back and blow into the mouth twice. But here's the central problem with doing CPR really well. You need to get the tempo right. If you do it too slow, you don't get enough pressure up to get the blood moving around the body. And if you do it too fast, then the heart doesn't have time to fill back up. And what's the ideal speed? This. 100 beats per minute. And this class, the class that's just learning CPR, it's hard to hear, but if you listen... Just a little bit too fast. And how exactly do you get people to do 100 beats per minute? Well, there's this guy, Alson Anaba. I'm a pediatric emergency medicine physician in Honolulu, Hawaii. And he teaches CPR. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to figure out a good way... To remember what 100 compressions a minute should feel like when you're doing CPR. So I thought find a song that had a beat of approximately 100 beats per minute. And the song he came up with. Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. No! Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you help people stay alive. Wow, and they did this at the class you went to? Yeah, CPR classes all over the world. Egypt. Argentina, Japan. We're using this to teach the right tempo of CPR. It was, uh, I think, one of the best teaching tips I came up with in my career so far. There is another song, though, that has a much simpler downbeat. Same tempo? Same tempo. And I asked the class to try this song. Now remember, it's one and a half to two inches. Remember those numbers. Wait a second. One, two, three, again. One, two, three, four, five. Another one six, bites the dust. Seven, eight, nine, oh, that's ten, so wrong. Eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. And another one bites the dust. Hey, hey, we're gonna get you too. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> Just what you need. <laughs> All right, well, I, I have another story for you, which uh, happens to also involve dust and noise. Do you know this story? I 
I know what we're doing. Should I remind you I've of the story? I've heard the phrase Walls of Jericho, and I know nothing else because about it's, it. it. It's most famous as a song. Joshua foot the battle of Jericho, 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 Joshua foot the battle of Jericho, Jericho. So tell us the story so we can get started. Well, as you know, the Hebrew people crossed the Red Sea and then wandered around in the desert for a while. We'll just say I knew that. Forty years. Forty years. And now we're up to, we're almost into the promised land, but there is this city called Jericho. Who's inside Jericho? Well, the Jerichoans. Really? The Jerichoans. I don't know much about them, actually. Why aren't they friendly? I think they have all these 40,000 people showed up and say, hey, who are these people? I get them out of here. <laughs> so they were just looking after their property. Or maybe they just didn't like what they saw. I'm a little fuzzy here on the cause of the thing. However, now quoting the Bible, Jericho was tightly shut. Because it had a wall. Yeah. So read the part about how they knocked down the wall. Here's the formula. Mm -hmm. And you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once, and you shall do so for six days. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns. It's a shofar, actually, it's a ram's horn. And the priests shall blow the trumpets, and it shall be. The wall of the city will fall flat down. And they do this with seven trumpets, you say? Yes. All right, so here we go. The question we have then is, what would it really take to do this? Yeah. And I'm talking without God, only puny physics. Where are your headphones? Uh, Independent left and right volume control should be fairly comfortable. Is it just in principle possible for sound to blow down a wall? That's our question. We actually called up a guy who's thought about this. I'm an acoustical consultant. David Lubman. Is his name. And an acoustical scientist. And if you think about the nature of sound, it's a fluctuating pressure. He explained that when sound hits an object, the waves actually push the object but also pull at it. Many times per second. And theoretically, he says, if you can get enough of those pushes and pulls on the wall, eventually it'll begin to crumble. So the first question he asked naturally, is what kind of wall are we dealing with? Uh, Well, looking at the construction of Bronze Age walls in the Middle East, uh, there were mud brick walls. The question then was how much sound would be necessary, what volume, to topple a wall like that? Yeah. And he came up with a number. This is a technical number for the strength of the sound. You'd need uh, to produce 177 dB. 177 decibels. Yes. That would knock down the wall? Yes. How, how many decibels, just for a scale, is my voice right now, roughly? Uh, your voice is probably about uh, 60 or 65 decibels. Oh. Uh, so we're already a third of the way there just talking? Well, no. Joshua Jericho Baduwa. Here's where the issues start. Sound doesn't add up the way that you would think. And there's the rub. Assume that your voice level was 60 decibels. In order to get 70 decibels, you would have to produce 10 times as much power. This didn't make much sense to us. Until we ended up doing what he did and recruiting some uh, experienced shofar blowers. We went up to All Souls, uh, what is it? All All Souls Unitarian Church. Uh, Many times a month, that church actually is a host to a synagogue. Oh my God, I hear them. Did you hear that? Like animals dying. Hey there. So shofars were the horns that apparently knocked down the wall, so we wanted to measure how loud they could be. And we were lucky enough to find this guy. Cantor Daniel Pincus. Who got together about 10 people, everybody with their ram's horns. Okay. 
Um, so in any case, he got us started, and uh, we asked him to blow his shofar as loud as he could, and we were going to measure the decibel level. So that was our baseline, 96 decibels for one shofar player. But interestingly, when we doubled it, had two shofar players, listen to what happened. We only got up to 98, just shy of 99. And when we doubled that to four shofar players, we only bumped it up three more decibels. Turns out, and this is actually a rule of thumb, anytime you want to bump up your overall volume by three decibels, you've got to double the amount of shofar players. So if you want to go from 101 dB to 104, that means going from four shofar players to eight. If you want to go from 104 to 107, that means eight shofar players become 16. And if you want to go from there all the way up to our target? 177 dB. Well, then you're going to have to double yourself a lot. So here's the question. How many, in the end, how many shofars would you need to make the walls of Jericho come tumbling down? 407,380. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it might take a while, too. Well, wait a second. Seven is what the Bible says, and you just said 407,380. Yes. That's five rose bowls full of trumpet players. Uh, but, of course, if it was a miracle, all bets are off. But what if you could get that number of people together? Could you knock down the wall? Well, the problem I had was getting a very large number of men so close to the wall that we could produce the necessary pressure. Imagine, he says, you've got all these horn blowers, hundreds of thousands at this wall. You've got to organize them, put them in rows, and that creates a little bit of a situation. Uh, yes, well, the, uh, the uh, people in the front row would uh, have their heads blown off <laughs> by the blast of the people behind them. That's a sort of problem if you're yeah. a musician, I think. If you'd like, we could do an experiment. Uh, do you volunteer? No. <laughs> Okay, but what if you could put the people in the front row in helmets to protect them? Then, could you we know, do actually, it? we have another problem. What? <laughs> uh, that's right. The sound, according to David, has to be focused. It has to actually sort of point at one spot on the wall. When you put that many people together in front of a wall, some of them are going to be way behind the ones in front. Mm, we're going to lose focus. And there's the problem. But then we found Woody. Elwood Norris. I go by Woody. We called Woody because, well, he's an inventor. President, chairman, and CEO of a brand new company called Parametric Sound Corporation. And he's invented a technology that can beam sound in a direct line, like a laser. Well, let's check some of these, some of these things out. That's reporter Kirk Conan. Okay, first I'm going to play you this guy. To demonstrate, he pulls out his uh, sound beamer. This is an ultrasonic emitter. It's like a mini satellite dish, but kind of in a square. Stand over there. He and Kurt get on opposite sides of the room, very far apart, and then Woody shoots a concentrated beam of sound, in this case the sound of rushing water, right at Kurt's head. (laughs) Now, if I shine it at you... See the difference? Now, what happens when I just aim it at my chest? Almost 100% gone. Wow. Magic. 
Does your invention allow us to take the sound and put it into a beam such that it will hit a spot on the wall of Jericho? Absolutely, with a caveat. <laughs> What's the caveat? <laughs> there is no known loudspeaker on the planet that can put out 170 decibels. Really? Oh. My company makes some of the loudest speakers on the planet, and the loudest unit the company sells puts out about 155 decibels. That's not enough to knock down our wall, though. No, not at all. <laughs> There's another issue. This will be caveat number two. Uh-oh. When you get about 155, 165 decibels, you get close to causing cavitation in the air where the air turns into a plasma. (laughs) (laughs) You mean the sound won't travel through the air? Only for a few millimeters. We weren't able to 1,000% confirm this, but according to Woody, even if we were able to make the necessary amount of noise, we would not be able to get that noise to the wall. The sound would just go... We are just... There's an Anglo-Saxon word that would go right there, but we're talking about the Hebrews. <laughs> but we are that thing, and I don't know what to do. Well, I had an alternate theory that could make the story plausible. Ah. What I've imagined uh, is that the attackers would uh, try to undermine the wall by digging underneath it. And the uh, defenders, figuring that the attackers would do that, would send spies out to find out where the digging is so they can use countermeasures such as boiling oil. <coughs> but, but then the... But, but, wait a second. Get, but, let, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Let him finish okay, this. I'm, okay. I'm enjoying this. Okay. But then the uh, attackers would say they'll probably uh, send out spies to find out where we're digging. So let's issue orders uh, that nobody is to know where we are digging. And we won't tell those blabbermouth Israelites because it's sure to be picked up by one of the spies. And <laughs> next thing you know, we'll have boiling oil on our head. In the meantime, the diggers, in order to keep the wall from falling in on them, they would prop it up with timbers. Then when the digging was about complete, uh, they would pull out whatever was the equivalent of a Zippo lighter in the Bronze Age and alight the uh, timbers and then run like heck. As the fire burned through, eventually that part of the wall would fall straight down. No, no, you're rewriting the whole thing. But where does the horn blowing come into the (laughs) equation? Uh, Well, in the meantime, the spies report back, we can't figure out where those uh, Israelites are digging. So uh, the king of Jericho probably says, well, we'll have to use the old hole in the shield trick to find out. And so they take their Bronze Age shields with a hole in the middle, and they place them on the ground and put the ear to the hole. And they do this all around the, uh, the perimeter of uh, Jericho, trying to hear the digging. But then the attackers say, the defenders will probably use the old hole in the shield trick. We know that, so we'll have to use acoustic warfare, make noise to uh, prevent them from being able to hear where the uh, digging is. So let's send out a bunch of uh, priests with shofars and, uh, <laughs> uh, to make noise. And so your them. shofars are there to keep the shield-listening Jerichoans from overhearing the digging Hebrews. And the horns are just a way to mask the digging Hebrews' location. Yes, this is very unsatisfactory. Thanks to Daniel Lubman, uh, Elwood Woody Norris, Daniel Pincus, and his shofar all-stars. Rachel Kelk. Anna Levy. Adam Jonah Hammetsburner. Richard Shiner. Bob Wine. Ed Curson. Daniela Drackler. Miriam Frank.
This is Matt Bushko and Alyssa Oldcrow in Gainesville, Florida. And Radio Lab is supported in part by the National Science Foundation and by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science and technology in the modern world. More information about Sloan at www.sloan.org. Thanks.